Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode of Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, Anthology is a podcast exploring science fiction anthology storytelling during television's first golden age, beginning with The Twilight Zone. And in honor of Black Mirror's new season that premiered on Netflix back in October uh, 2016, I'm covering each episode of Charlie Brooker's technophobic sci-fi anthology series in this bonus episode series. You can find more of Anthology at AnthologyPod.com, including the archives where I have links to all the episodes, including all the bonus episodes at AnthologyPod.com slash archive. And if you want to contact me, you can use the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod. You can tweet me at obsessiveviewer, or you can send me an email at matt at obsessiveviewer.com. Or finally, you can call and leave me a voicemail at 317-762-6099. If you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast, the easiest way, the easiest and quickest way to do that is to head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. The more ratings and reviews I get, the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes' search results, especially in the highly competitive film and TV category of podcasts. And finally, if you want to show your support with your wallet, which would be incredibly appreciated, um, you can do that by clicking the donate button on anthologypod.com or the donate link in the show notes of this episode. Those show notes, by the way, can be found at anthologypod.com slash bonus 12. Any and all donations made to the podcast are incredibly appreciated and will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running. And today on the podcast, I'll be discussing Men Against Fire. It's the fifth episode of Black Mirror's third season, which again premiered on October 21st, 2016 on Netflix. And as I've been doing in in these recent bonus episodes, the plot summary is just the brief plot description from IMDb. uh, And it reads, Future soldiers Stripe and Raymond must protect frightened villagers from an infestation of vicious feral mutants. Technologically, they have the edge, but will that help them survive? And of course, going forward in this episode, uh, I will be spoiling this episode of Black Mirror. So you haven't, if you haven't watched it yet, go check it out on Netflix and come back and listen to it. So Men Against Fire stars uh, Malachi Kirby as Stripe. Um, he was recently in the remake of Roots, and he was also in one episode of Doctor Who back in 2015. And co-starring as Raymond is Madeline Brewer who has been in other Netflix shows. In particular, she was in uh, Hemlock Grove and Orange is the New Black. And also, to kind of round out the cast, is Michael Kelly as Arquette, who uh, is no stranger to Netflix, obviously. He's was in uh, he been in uh, House of Cards, kind of the flagship Netflix original series, um, which he does, he does a very good job in it. And he was also in an episode of the FX series The Shield, back in season one of the shield called dragon chasers. Uh, he gives a very chilling performance. Um, I believe the shield is on Hulu and I recommend going and checking out that episode. If, if no other episodes, um, I actually just mentioned that episode in, uh, in episode 200 of the obsessive viewer, as I referenced it as a representative episode of, of the shield, like a, an episode of the shield that is a great representation of what the show is. Uh, so I che- I recommend checking that out because Michael Kelly, I think he's a very, he's a very strong actor and um, he's kind of this even keeled kind of calm presence, but he is no stranger to having like kind of chilling performances. Um, Men Against Fire is a perfect example of that, which I'm, I'll get into. But um, his episode of The Shield, Dragon Chasers in season one was uh, particular, particularly fantastic. 
Writer for this episode was Charlie Brooker. And um, I do have an answer that he gave to Entertainment Weekly when asked about uh, the episode. I'm just going to read it. I, I will have the link in uh, the show notes of this episode if you want to read the full article. It has a bunch of, uh, a bunch of stuff about the season as a whole. Um, so Entertainment Weekly, they had asked him about the inspiration for Men Against Fire, and they mentioned that it came about by um, Charlie Brooker's attitude toward the military drone program and how it was making war into a video game-like abstraction, essentially. And Charlie Brooker, Charlie Brooker uh, responded by saying, and I quote, Yes, and that's what happens in military conditioning. You have to be conditioned to pull the trigger, except for the 2% of the population who's a psychopath who would do it. Most people don't actually want to shoot people. It takes a lot to overlook that, to override that instinct. You know those, you know those Snapchat filters where you hold it up to your face and it makes you look like a cartoon rabbit? In a way, it's the chilling military application of that. It turns the, it turns the enemy into the other, a boogeyman, a monster. I read a book on killing. A bit of a, a a bit of cheerful holiday reading on the psychological impact of war and how soldiers are conditioned to kill, which goes against human nature, which in a way should be reassuring. The stuff Michael Kelly is saying, how few soldiers want to pull the trigger, is true. I was reading about how people who dropped firebombs on Dresden didn't particularly suffer psychological consequences, even though they knew they were burning people to death. Whereas if you have to slide a bayonet into someone's ribs, that stays with you forever end quote. Um, yeah. And that, that's, a, that's some really good insight into, uh, the making and the inspiration for this episode. Director for this episode is Jacob Verbruggen. Uh, he directed the last two episodes of season four of house of cards. And he also directed a bunch of, uh, episodes of the TV series, the fall, which I've heard really good things about. And I haven't checked out yet, but I'm, I'm very, uh, very curious to check that out. Okay, and once again, I'm going to jump into my review now, so if you have not seen Men Against Fire and you aren't wanting to uh, spoil yourself, uh, go ahead and tune out now, go check out the episode, and come back and listen to it. Alright, spoilers on! So, my initial thoughts for Men Against Fire after my first viewing was that it's honestly a fantastic episode. Um, and to give some context, I actually watched this episode for the first time um, it was actually the morning of election day here in the U S. Um, I had just, I'd woken up a couple hours early to go vote and then came home and had, I was anticipating it taking a long time to actually go vote. So, um, I woke up, uh, actually, I think it was a few hours early and went voted. It ended up taking 15 minutes. So I came home and I was, you know, up and ready to go. So I killed some time by watching this episode. So to give that context, I didn't have, when I wrote my initial thoughts and I, and I, uh, initially saw it, I didn't really have the, uh, time to really process it the way that I could on my, on my second viewing, uh, recently. So with that context, I thought that my initial thoughts on the episode was that it was fantastic and that it took very interesting turns and that one of the things that stuck out to me that I'll, I'll, talk about in my review is that I, I loved how we were kept from knowing what exactly the roaches were, um, up until Stripe actually finds them in the farmhouse. I thought that was a really great way to, um, to in a sense program us to, um, anticipate how to, uh, to program us into thinking of, of what they could possibly be and what this world could possibly, what it could possibly mean for this world. And I think that 
the reveal at the end was just really well well concealed and and really great um in its execution and those were my initial thoughts. I did have some little nitpicks that I might bring up throughout the throughout the review um I mean they are very minor um but i'll I'll probably bring them up here in in my review so stay tuned for that okay, so right off the bat, we are led from the opening scene um to believe that the woman in the dreams is a loved one back home that stripe has and I love the um the way that this book ends the episode because at the beginning like i said you you think that it's that this woman is some loved one that he's fighting a war for he's it's like his his girl back home or whatever but by the end of it you realize that it's something completely different and it really gives you uh gives the viewer something to kind of chew on and and contemplate and that's one of the things that i couldn't really i didn't really appreciate about the episode's ending on first viewing because i didn't really grasp what it was trying to say but i what i loved about it on, on repeat viewings is just what I said that it's, it's a really interesting um, bookend to the episode and it's kind of indicative of the, of the season as a whole, really, at least in pieces um, or at least in uh, the season in pieces um, that it's, the show is presenting something to us in one context and then completely flipping that on its ear in another context at the end. This is similar to like in shut up and dance where um, we see the kid we we see the guy um in the restaurant like interacting with the child and and looking at the looking at the the cartoon or the crayon uh, drawing and coloring thing um to have a completely different um interpretation of that later or, or on repeat viewings and it's kind of the same thing but it's on a lesser kind of a lesser way here in this episode because it's it doesn't have that power there um, that it did in Shut Up and Dance, which obviously if you've listened to that, you know that I freaking loved that element of that episode. So yeah, I just, I just like that it's, it's, this episode is subverting our perspective of military dramas or military stories, um, in such a, such a cool way. And I love that they call the, the quote unquote bad guys or the opposing force of the, of the military uh, group. I love that they call them roaches because that is a, it's such a derogatory word for, um, something that they are opposing. Like it is, it's kind of, it harkens back to pretty much any military engagement that you can think of where they had, you know, names for, um, for the opposition. And by calling them roaches for me, for the audience member, it made me immediately think of just monsters and evoked kind of the most disgusting imagery in my mind because I didn't know what to expect because by design, this episode introduces this concept to us and introduces this opposition to us without giving any context to who or what or um, who or what they are or what they are capable of or, or why they're why they're the opposition. They only refer to them as roaches. And I think that that was a brilliant way to kind of bring us into the story and really, um, really make the, the ending or the reveal toward the end of the episode, uh, much more impactful because we are just by the sheer design of the episode, we are brought into this world in a way that we are on the same level as the, as the soldiers. And I think that, that was just really brilliant on uh, Charlie Brooker's part. And also the technology of the episode, I might, I think I'm just going to kind of talk about that all together here. Um, First of all, there's a universal translator that I thought was really cool. Um, it's 
like that is such a such a uh, science fiction high concept concept that you have this device that can instantly translate whatever um whatever words are it's saying and uh I just like how how weathered it was in this episode. How this is just a little box that's on the soldiers' uh, vest or on their shirt, and it's like it's it's weathered, it's old, it's kind of this old style science fiction technology that I just I just really dug the aesthetic of it, and I thought it was really cool. And some of the other pieces of technology that I thought were really interesting in this episode is the augmented reality of uh, of the technology of the uh, the mass implants that the soldiers have like they can upload the layouts of buildings and and uh, strategize their their entrance into into areas all by basically seeing it in front of their face and there's like there's one goofy scene somewhat goofy where they're just staring at the ground in a circle and they're mapping out how they're gonna how they're gonna get into the building and it's just it's so weird to see them do that to nothing. And, and as far as like the technology and how it plays with, uh, how it plays with other, epi- or, um, other episodes in the past, essentially, I like, I'm kind of mixed on it. I kind of feel like, like there's this theory or there's this idea. Um, I haven't really, uh, looked into it too much, but, um, this idea that, that Black Mirror in some one way or the other, all takes place in the same universe, but at different times. And I think that that's an interesting concept and everything. I don't know how, uh, next, uh, the last episode of the season, uh, hated in the nation. I don't know how that factors into it, but, um, but with men against fire, I, I feel like with the technology, it's the way that the, the eyes, um, kind of blank out and the way some of the interfaces work and, and the way that they, uh, control it with their, with their little, uh, like the way that Arquette controls the, the mass of stripe, uh, with a little clicker that's very much like the, uh, the entire history of you. I just think that it's, it reached a point in this episode. Um, and I don't know if, I don't know if I'm the only one that feels this way, but it reached a point in this episode where, I saw the technology and I thought, okay, this is cool. Augmented reality implants to, to utilize the augmented reality and to have it all kind of right in front of your face and, um, seeing the little, the little remote that, that Arquette had, I thought, okay, those were all pretty cool, but it kind of seems like the series is kind of with their technological, um, advancements in their, in their views of technology kind of seems like they're kind of going to the same well a little bit because the implants and the way that it uses augmented reality and the way that it has the little clicker that Arquette has and stuff, those are very reminiscent of past episodes. And I think that that on my first viewing, it didn't bother me hardly nearly as much on my second viewing. It didn't even really come across my radar on the second viewing, but I think that seeing those things kind of repeated in this episode kind of made me feel like wondering if they're maybe out of ideas with how to expand the technology um, because it just seemed a little distracting that it would be similar, so similar to some of the past uh, um, episodes technology and the way they used it. So I was kind of a little disappointed in that in the first viewing, but when I revisited it, it didn't even really register with me. But I thought that that would at least be worth mentioning here. Um, and I'll save some of the other technology, uh, technology stuff, uh, later in the review. Cause I want to talk about it 
talk about uh, Stripe's big scene with Arquette at the end. But suffice it to say, I liked how the technology was represented, uh, represented, but I just feel like it was a little bit same as same as some past episodes, and I thought that that was kind of an issue, um, at least on that first viewing. What I found really messed up and disturbing on the second viewing also was when the military or when the soldiers go to the village, um, and the villagers report that the roaches have um, contaminated their food and now they need to destroy all the food and, um, the soldiers are basically taken to, um, go to a farmhouse to, to find the roaches. Um, what I found so disturbing on the second viewing, because I knew everything, uh, like I knew, I knew kind of the, the trick behind the episode is that the soldiers are programmed to see the roaches in a certain way, but the civilians aren't. Like the civilians are just seeing them as humans. They've just been programmed by the government, the media, whatever you want to call it, um, to see them as roaches and monsters. Um, but they still see them as human beings. And I think that that is just one of the most tragic and, and, uh, really disturbing things about this episode is that when you go and you see, like you see the moment where I think it's the little girl tells, tells Stripe that, um, or Stripe tells a little girl that he's going to, that he, that they're going to take care of him and everything. And, and the girl is terrified. It's just, it's really, it's really sad to see that, that when you know that in context that these are just other human beings. And then we get to the farmhouse scene and I kind of wondered, and maybe this is, I don't know if naive is the right word for it, but I kind of found myself wondering if the farmhouse scene where they're interrogating the the guy who's hiding the um, the roaches in the farmhouse. I kind of wondered if that was scene was supposed to be inspired or influenced by that opening scene in Inglorious Bastards, where uh, Christoph Waltz is is talking to a farmer about uh, about the Jews that he's hiding, and he eventually uh, I won't spoil it or anything, but I will say that that opening scene of Inglorious Bastards is absolutely astounding. But um. One thing on the second viewing that I was really taken with in regards to this is that up until this point, like, I mean, we've, we've only seen, this is basically a straightforward war military occupation, um, story. And at this point, we don't really know where it's going to go, or at least I didn't, but, but when they get to the farmhouse, I found myself wondering or amazed at how the military, like when I first watched this episode uh, and at this moment, I kept thinking that the military are the protagonists. They're the quote unquote good guys and the roaches are the quote unquote bad guys. And it's really fascinating because you see the, you see the different perspectives at play when you revisit it or when you see it a second time, because from the farmhouse guy's perspective, he is protecting human beings. And from the military's perspective, they're, taking out monsters. It's just, it's a really interesting way to show the uh, different perspectives of, of war and combat because no one thinks that they're, no one sees themselves as the bad guys. And I mean that as both uh, really, I mean that as Stripe and, and the rest of the soldiers because they don't even, it's not on their radar that they are the bad guys in this situation. They just know that there's monsters and that they need to take them out. It's really, it's really fascinating to see the, to to, to see Black Mirror play with that, uh, play with that kind of perspective. And then 
seeing the way that the soldiers interact with the guy in the farmhouse and, and seeing how, uh, seeing how they interrogate him is really, is really rewarding when you know that he is presumably a pretty good person for wanting to say, wanting to protect these, uh, these people. And then the scene with Stripe where he finds them and we get our, we get our introduction to the roaches and we get the introduction to the little, um, I, I just think of it as like the neuralizer in men in black, the little green light device, um, that messes with, uh, Stripe's mass. Um, we get, we get a lot of information there. And then the first movie I was kind of confused or not confused, but I was just kind of curious where it was going to lead. And, uh, seeing Stripe just annihilate the guy, um, stab him repeatedly. It's such a fascinating, fascinating scene, um, on first and repeat viewings. And granted, yes, we do get that repeated later in the episode in a different context. And I will talk about that, but seeing it in the moment, um, without that context, uh, but knowing, but knowing the full the full story of it on a second viewing is really disturbing to me. It's just because you, you're not seeing it in the episode as viewed from the perspective of um, showing us the what's really going on. It's just you have in your head the knowledge that this is a person that he is just he's just murdering in uh, with with the knife repeatedly, and it's just so raw and unhinged and and really disturbing. And yeah, it's, it kind of plays into the. Uh, kind of the greater themes of the episode and how um, soldiers are kind of programmed or there's, there's adrenaline at play with, with, uh, with this. It's just, it's a really, it's a really great moment in the episode and very disturbing on a multitude of of levels. Um, And then I'll jump around a little bit, but Ray, the other, the other soldier um, after that, after that farmhouse sequence, uh, she and Stripe are doing target practice and we get a good view of how the, how the mass, um, works and how, how they see targets and everything like that. It's very video game. It's very, um, impersonal, I guess, or it's very video game like in that it is just like a first person shooter. It's, and that takes some of the punch out of it or that takes some of the, uh, that be, it becomes a game in the, in that sense. And I think that's a really, uh, interesting and insightful and insightful commentary into military life, I guess. But there was a line of dialogue that I really stuck out to me in that when Ray says that she, uh, she hasn't, I don't remember the exact line. I didn't write it down, but she says that she hasn't, uh, had an orgasm in a while. And, um, she hasn't, she hasn't uh, gotten a kill in a while and she equates that to not having an orgasm or not having sex yet, sex in a while. And before that, when they're leaving the farmhouse, she says, you're going to have some sweet, sweet dreams for this and uh, says that he's going to get a treat tonight. And that really disturbed me because it's, uh, it reveals that, yeah, the, the dreams that he has are programmed dreams that are used as rewards or positive reinforcement for taking out these, these creatures or these people in, in these operations that this military organization is going on. And it's just really disturbing that they, 
that that's how they reward them. They, it's a really interesting way of manipulating the soldiers and, and programming them in, in ways that are, go beyond what is in the mass and, and goes beyond like altering their perception in real life. It's programming them and it's influencing their dreams so that they will work more effectively and more efficiently and more, um, well, effectively, yeah, effectively, um, in, in the real world, in their operations. It's just, it's really disturbing. And I, I really, I really dug it. And then after, um, Stripe's mass starts messing up, he goes and is, he's instructed by the doctor to go talk to Arquette. And this introduced a really interesting element to the episode and something that carried throughout the rest of the episode was that, and it's, it's something that, that stuck, uh, that stood out to me. Um, on the second viewing is that Arquette stops Stripe when he's describing the kill and he, he stops him because Stripe refers to the roach as he and Arquette stops him from talking and he has him clarify the remark and, and he has him refer to the roach as, as it. And it's really chilling because Arquette is uh, is of a much higher pay grade than um stripe and he's he's the he's the person or he's representative of the people who are orchestrating this entire genocide and this entire uh uh genetic cleansing that's going on in in this world in in this black mirror episode and it really brings into question how just how evil is he and how evil is this military organization because at this point or throughout the vast majority of this episode we see this conflict and we see this situation solely from the perspective of the soldiers who have been manipulated into thinking that these that these human beings are actually creatures and and uh, mutations um and so they get kind of they get a little bit of a uh um plausible deniability on in this in the grounds that they are they are being manipulated into thinking into thinking they're doing something that is a lot less heinous than what they're doing uh what they're actually doing they're they're being manipulated they're tools of war by this organization and they're they're victims of manipulation but Arquette knows the truth and he is a willing participant and he's a willing orchestrator in this whole thing. And that's just very unsettling to me that I don't know. It's just very unsettling that this is a person that willingly wipes out entire swaths of, of human beings for the sole purpose that they're not up to their, to uh, his genetic um, ideals. And I just thought that that was really disturbing and it, it plays out really satisfying in, in a really satisfying way, um, later in the episode when, when see, when Stripe has his big scene with, with Arquette after discovering the truth. And Arquette's kind of prescription for Stripe is to give him a very, um, a very titillating dream, um, for lack of a better word. Um, he gives him a foursome with the dream woman. And what I, I just love the imagery of this, this sequence, not the foursome, but, um, I love the imagery of Stripe waking up 
as if it's actually a nightmare. First of all, that alone is just, just beautiful that he is starting to see that this is not right or he is maybe not, maybe it's not that that deep uh, on a conscious uh, level. Maybe it's more, it's more subconscious than, than that, but it's, it's kind of showing that he's, that he's, you know, kind of waking up in a weird way uh, to what's really going on. And he's recognizing that it's not something that he's a, he's necessarily a completely controlled subject in this, in this, uh, in this group. But what I love is just the imagery after he wakes up and he sees, um, everyone in, in the barracks, he sees them all dreaming in uniform and, uni- in unison. And I just love the imagery of that scene and the way that it's framed and the way that it's shot and the way that it slowly pulls back and reveals all the people in the beds, um, all, all twitching in, in unison. And just the uniformity of it is very chilling. And I feel like it's somewhat of a, of a statement against, the not against the military, but um, it's a statement about the about the uh, conditioning aspect of, of military organizations, and I think that that was it was spelled out really, or it was uh, visualized really beautifully in that sequence. And another surprise is when I mean, this is kind of we're getting into what isn't necessarily the end game of the sh- of the episode, or it's not the end run of the episode, but it's it's a big moment in the episode that ushers in the final act. Um, they're outside of the building and, um, there's something that I, that I really liked this detail and that stripe realizes that he can smell the grass. And he mentions that they, he usually can't smell anything. And I think that, that was really powerful in that, I mean, the military or the organization that is the military, they, um, they even take their sense of smell. It's it's really that was an interesting element to the story, and then we get Medina's um, death scene, which kind of ushers into this whole this whole uh, climax of of the episode. And I just want to mention Medina. I don't remember who uh, who plays her, and I didn't put her in the cast rundown, but I probably should have because she's she does a very good job. She is very uh, she has this great presence to her she has this she carries herself very much like a uh like a military commander and i think that she did a fantastic job and what i love is that it's counterbalanced by ray's kind of uh um uh by her kind of cocky um cocky and and somewhat crazy military uh character i think that it's it's a good counterbalance with that and that's why after Medina is, uh, taken out it. I think that that, that balance is, is shaken up obviously. And that's what ushers in the, uh, the big climax and the confrontation between Raymond and Stripe. But, uh, the actress who played Medina is Sarah Snook. Um, which since I didn't give her talent rundown, I'll just mention really quick. She was in Steve Jobs as, uh, Andrea Cunningham. She was also in a movie called Oddball that played at a, uh, local, um, film festival here in Indianapolis. I didn't get a chance to see, but it looked kind of goofy, but, um, but yeah, and she was also in a movie called predestination that I haven't seen yet, but it has Ethan Hawke and has some time travel aspects to it. So I've been really anxious to see that, but I just haven't gotten a chance to. So anyway, she did a really good job in this episode and I really, uh, liked her performance. But after that, um, Ray and Stripe there, they go into the building to, to find the, the roach and, 
there's a moment where where uh, Stripe is where we see the first person perspective from from Stripe's perspective, um, and I just I really like that. That kind of hammered home the kind of video game or or disassociative aspect of of this episode where um it really hammered home how disassociated stripe is from his actions with the mass like he's he's very uh he's there's a distance between the soldiers and the actions that i think really uh was hammered home by the first person perspective and then we get the reveal that the roaches are actually human people that are not infected or not mutated or not feral or in, in any way and the way that the episode reveals this is a freaking beautiful moment in this, really in the season of Black Mirror. I would even, I would go so far as to say in the season of Black Mirror because we see, because, um, Stripe finds the woman and we don't real, like it's, it's a moment of confusion. At least it was for me in that first viewing because we have only seen the roaches as these feral creatures and mutations and seeing the seeing the girl get killed suddenly by Ray in the hallway is kind of the show's cue to us that that Ray is seeing this woman as something that Stripe is not seeing her as and I love that the show gave us that um, the show gave us that as a way to discover the truth of what the roaches were instead of being this big moment where we realize that um, where we and Stripe realize that he is slaughtering innocent people um, I just think that that was a beautiful way for the show to to uh, give us that information and I love that they didn't spoon feed it, uh, spoon feed it to us as well and another thing about the kind of the filmmaking aspect of it, and it's something that I probably should have mentioned in the farmhouse sequence as well, but the way that blood is used in this episode kind of reminds me a little bit of like 28 days later, just a little bit. Like the way that Ray's blood sprays out from her mouth when Stripe hits her with the butt of his rifle. Um, that in particular, just the way that it's, the way that it's shot, uh, just reminds me of some of the, um, kinetic and, and, uh, crazed um, scenes from from 28 Days Later and the the kind of fast paced action sequences of of that movie. Um, but I don't know if that's something that registered with everyone else or if that was just me thinking of it as uh, connecting it in because of the similarities. Like it might have been due to the fact that this is a British show about the military and zombie like creatures. Um, that also utilizes a lot of handheld camera shots. Um, so maybe that's just a product. Maybe that visual style is just a product of what the show is or what this episode is as in, instead of being an actual homage to 28 days later, but also the farmhouse sequence, um, the way that it's shot after the roaches are discovered in the hidden room behind that curtain, um, just the way that it's shot, the frenzy of it reminds me a little bit of the farmhouse scene at the beginning of 28 weeks later. Um, so I don't know if that was a conscious choice by, uh, the filmmakers in this episode or not, but it's something that kind of registered with me. And so when Stripe, uh, speaks to the woman some more, um, when they're kind of fleeing from, from the compound or the, the building. Um, she says that she says that the humans, that everyone 
that they she says they hate all the same because it's what they've been told and that that line just killed me like it gutted me because that's i mean that's that's human nature that's how societies kind of operate in a really sick and twisted way that is that's how mass groups of people operate that's kind of the, kind of a similar thing that's that uh on a smaller scale and and it's less of a strict application and more of a uh more of kind of tangential thing but it's kind of a similar thing to what Serling was saying in uh the monsters are doing on maple street i mean you get people in a group together they'll start trying to kill each other or what have you, or they'll find fault in other people. They'll, they'll find the monsters within themselves. And that's what this episode kind of encompasses is that there are, there's a group of people that think that, um, a certain type of person is a monster. So they're going to wipe that, those people out to protect themselves in some weird twisted sense. And it's just, oh, it's, this is the type of theme and, and storyline. This is the type of, uh, um, themes that, this is the type of statements that um, I feel like science fiction and sci-fi anthology series and things like this. I think that this is why I gravitate so much to like science fiction and, and just genre, genre filmmaking and genre um, storytelling in general, because you get such a rich um, and surreal look at what, what human nature is like today and what our society is like today um, in a worst case scenario kind of situation that is very, uh, a very much a cautionary tale that I, I really, uh, I really appreciated it. And that's why I love about, that's what I love about this type of storytelling in this, this particular genre. And then after, after all of that, we've, we've got the big kind of money shot scene with, uh, Arquette and Stripe. And we get the confrontation and we get, again, like any other show, this would have been a forced exposition heavy or exposition dump and forced kind of thing. But instead, it's it's a very engaging thing because we have lived with Stripe throughout this entire episode and we've seen, we've learned as he's learned what the nature of the, of what's going on, uh, what the nature of it is. And so we're right there with him and we get this, what would be an exposition dump, but is instead this kind of detail, um, given into, in, in context into the, uh, to the world as a whole. And, and I mean, Michael Kelly's performance in this scene is very disturbing and it's, I mean, this is why you get Michael Kelly for this type of episode because he just knocks it out of the park in this in this sequence. He says that uh, when he's con- when Stripe confronts him that they're regular people. He says, "Of course they look just like us. That's what makes them dangerous." And he goes into the spiel where he talks about how they carry um, their genetics aren't. Uh, if we let them, if we let them live, they're they're spreading disease and deformity and and a bunch of stuff that we can we can protect our future by um, in the future of other pure people by wiping them out. And he talks about the history of war and how, how he throws out statistics about how in world war one and world war two, um, a certain percentage of, of soldiers never even fired their weapon. And the ones that did purposely shot above the heads of people because they can't, 
um, because they couldn't live with killing other humans. Um, and it's just, it's really disturbing to hear him talk about this because it feels like it's, it's depressing and shocking and terrifying how much, how much weird sense it makes or not, maybe not make sense, but how strong the logic of it is. It's really terrifying because he's saying that we, you know, we did that, we made adjustments and then, um, and then people came back from Vietnam and they were all, they were all messed up and everything. So we, we did this and this, these is, this is how we corrected it. It seems very like, it seems like something that if the technology were available, it's something that it feels like would have happened or would, would eventually happen or it's something that could potentially happen. And that's one of the scariest things about this episode. Um, yeah. And then we get the reveal that Stripe actually signed up for it and he knew what he was signing up for. And, one of the most disturbing moments in this episode and the, the real money shot of the episode is that, uh, Arquette is compelling his, uh, compelling his cooperation. Um, because he is just replaying, like he has complete control of Stripe and that is a very disturbing thing. And he's replaying the farmhouse scene as it really happened. And he's threatening Stripe to have that playing in his, playing in his eyes, for as long as he, for, for as long as he wants, for as long as Arquette wishes to do it. Um, which again, again, that does feel a little bit like, you know, 15 million merits and, and the, uh, the whole comp- wall screen and, uh, forcing yourself to watch it or for the corp- like the, the government or who, what have you forcing him to watch, watch that. So it's kind of a similar thing, but it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's different enough that it didn't raise too many, uh, too many, uh, concerns with me, but, um, I just, I just, I loved that point because it was compelling Stripe to do whatever Arquette wished. And, uh, it's very disturbing and very, uh, very, uh, scary. Um, so that almost does it. I, did want to point out one thing that I noticed that shockingly I didn't really pick up on this or I didn't really pay attention to it until the scene, but it's really interesting that when uh stripe is discharged and he goes back to that house and he sees the woman, um, what I noticed is on the, on like the, uh, on his uniform and on the, the car that drops him off. I noticed that the symbol for the military isn't like a government seal or anything. It actually looks like a corporate symbol. Um, it reminded me a lot of the Wayland Utani corporation symbol from the alien franchise. And I think that, that was an interesting, an interesting piece of, uh, detail because I feel like what that is saying is that, uh, this isn't a government organization and that government's uh, aren't really in control of it. It's more of a, a corporation that, uh, is, uh, inducing its will upon the world in, in very, uh, totalitarian ways. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I just thought that was an interesting little detail. And finally, the kind of closing scene where he's discharged to live a life simulated to perfection by the mass. Uh, but the, in reality, it's kind of a dilapidated, uh, house that he's going to be living in. Um, it's disturbing and horrifying. I, when I first saw it, I didn't really get it, but on second viewing, I kind of, I 
picked up on it more. It's him, you know, just accepting the mass and everything, not being able to make any changes. And he's just discharged from, from service. And it's, it's sad. It's, it's really sad and disturbing. Um, so yeah, that, that does it for my review. My closing thoughts on this episode are, is that, um, I thought this was a really, really stellar episode. It was very strong. Um, it was chilling and has very profound statements to make about military conditioning and, and soldiers and war. And, um, it shows this dark future. Um, but the logic of the history discussed in the episode by Arquette, the logic of, of how it got from World War II to the events of this episode, um, the logic in that is very disturbing and more, maybe more unnerving than anything else in the actual episode. And I just thought that was a really, really strong way to write in this, uh, this episode and write out the themes of this episode. And overall, I thought this was just really horrific and well done. And I really liked the use of technology and the way that technology was implemented in this episode, but, or even though it, uh, it was a little, uh, little reminiscent of past episodes and tech and tech and other episodes. So I feel like it, while it wasn't, while the technology itself wasn't quite that fresh to me at this point in the series run, um, I still liked the applications of it throughout the episode and how it was used. So I thought that was really well done. All right, and that's going to do it for this bonus episode of Anthology. Um, thank you guys for listening, and I apologize for the delay in getting this episode out. I just had some busy stuff going on and everything. Um, I'll be back next time with my final um, bonus episode review of Black Mirror. I'll be reviewing Hated in the Nation, uh, which I'm really looking forward to to digging into that because I have some pretty strong statements about it or pretty strong opinions about it. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then on the feed, you'll also see my finally at long last, my season one wrap up episode of the twilight zone featuring, uh, my guest, uh, Brandon Cruz from submitted for your approval podcast. And then also you'll have a, a special episode with tiny from the obsessive viewer. We're, we'll be talking about the time element, uh, Rod Serling's Rod Serling's, uh, pre twilight zone twilight zone episode um which i had i had a blast talking to talking to my buddy about that so that 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 was a lot of fun and then finally uh here here after that we're gonna get right back into the twilight zone we're gonna be doing season two um i don't know what the bonus episode for um season two episode one is gonna be yet but i'll probably post it on the facebook page um and on social media so i'll do that and yeah check out stay tuned for that i think i'm going to do some a new intro and new outro for that uh for season two so look forward to that and yeah again thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time Thank you for listening to Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more episodes at AnthologyPod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please take a few minutes to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. The more reviews I get, the higher the show will be ranked in iTunes search results, making it easier for people to discover it and grow the podcast. 
Of course, you can always email me your thoughts and feelings about the show to matt at obsessiveviewer.com. You can also tweet me at obsessiveviewer, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod, or you can call and leave me a voicemail at 317-762-6099 for a chance to have it played on the show. If you like what you've heard here, I urge you to check out The Obsessive Viewer, a weekly movie and TV podcast I host with my friends Mike and Tiny. Also check out The Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where I write movie reviews, TV reviews, and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. If you want even more obsessive content in your life, subscribe to the Obsessive Viewer subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer and check out obsessivebooknerd.com, our sister site for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious... Check out my friend Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com. Once again, thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.